You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. Well, good morning. We're in a, we're in a fortunate position now that um, for the first time in many, many years now, um, we're one week away from Christmas to be at this meeting. What I want to do today is just ask you to take a breath. So Matt has already, at the start of the meeting, just said, let's just take a moment. This is a time to take a moment. We spend so much time preparing for the celebration of Christmas, the, the modern cultural celebration of Christmas, that lots of other things get washed away, don't they? So, I believe the Lord wants you to take a moment as it's gone. So, let's just start with a prayer. So, Lord, we come to you now, and we pray that you will refresh us in this. Lord, we hear about Christmas, and we hear stories, and we hear repeated things over and over again. And there's so much truth, so much treasure in there that we, in the end, stop hearing because of just the repeated, the repeated nature. And today we want to again listen. I pray you give us eyes to hear, to see, and ears to hear. I pray you'd open our hearts to you, that what we, we learn and hear and, and remember today will be meaningful and not just the, the part of the Mount Rush, not just part of what we do at Christmas, not just we've done the next cultural thing, our next family tick off the box. So Lord, we give you this time. And Holy Spirit, come and enjoy yourself. You come, flow through us. You touch us. You highlight things. You speak to us. You give us your message about about this wonderful event. Yeah. We'll give it to you. So, so this is the last in the um, Nativity series, the Advent, Advent running up to Christmas. Um, and what we've seen then, we've been focusing this Advent on Bethlehem. Um, and we've been focusing on effectively that, that town and trying to understand in many ways why they're what was it about? We've seen that Bethlehem was actually the birthplace not just of Jesus, but of David. And that's why it, Bethlehem was important. Because out of Bethlehem was born the, the greatest king Israel ever had. And God said in 2 Samuel, when he was talking to David, he said this, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and your, you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. And he is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. So they knew that a descendant of David was coming 
God told us that. And then, of course, the passage that we've been repeating over and over again, the passage from Micah, we see in Micah, Micah 5 and verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, I can't say it, Ephrathah, okay, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So we see then that the promise of this king that followed from David's line, and then the promise of where he would be born, all points to Bethlehem. So Bethlehem is important, and we've been learning that, and that was sharing that because of that. And then we, we ask the question, well, why is Bethlehem important? Why Bethlehem? What does it matter? Where does it matter that where Jesus was born? And what we see then is that actually Bethlehem mattered because God was teaching us that he comes not to the high and mighty, he comes to the lowly. He comes to the humble. He comes to the average person. He doesn't just come to the ones that would be you know, used to the kings of the world coming. He came to those that never experienced a king visit. I don't know how many of us ever have actually met a member of the royal family. But it's not something that everybody does. And in fact, you know, the common man gets very few opportunities. It's the, the supposed high-ranking ones that get the opportunities to actually meet the king. Meet the queen. But in God's kingdom, it's different. He doesn't go to those that think they're something. He comes to those that are prepared to accept that before him, they're nothing. And those who are not too proud, not too full of themselves, that they could accept him to that. And, and Fiona, Fiona really explained that last week. So, so what, what's left to say? Well, let's just put Jesus' coming into context using Micah's words. Okay. What was special about Jesus and his coming? So let me read you two passages, well, three passages, short passages from Micah. Um, we'll start in uh, chapter 3 and verse 1. So this is what Micah said. Then I said, listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel. Should you not know justice? You who hate good and love evil, who tear the skin of my people and the flesh of their, from their bones, who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pound like flesh for the pot. Moving on, I'll read again the passage that we know. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Moving to verse 4. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And he will live secure, they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. You see, 
what we what we see in the world is, on the whole, there are exceptions, but on the whole, leaders expect the common people to serve them. So, how often do we hear, you know, so let's talk about Winston Churchill and not decrying Winston Churchill. People say Winston Churchill, you know, led us, he won the battle. No, he didn't. It was people on the end of bullets and people with guns. My dad from a backward place in Manchester that nobody knows about, who went out and actually fought. The battles, although the strategy might have come out of Churchill, the war was won by the average person, by the multitude who went and gave their lives. We go to other pictures, okay? If, if wonderful things happen in a country, the leaders stand up and take the acclaim. Even in the Bible, if we look at the Bible, you can read in the Bible in two kings and in, in um, Solomon and so on all about uh, sorry in Samuel all about Solomon's reign and Solomon is praised as this great great ruler and it even says this when all the work King Solomon had done for the temple of the Lord was finished Solomon put not one piece of sweat into that building the stone was cut by masons miles away they weren't even allowed near where the temple was. The trees were brought by people from another country, sailed down the sea. They had to balance on it, keep them, make sure that those logs made it to the, to the, the coast, then brought them up rivers. Slaves dragged those stone, used carts and all sorts of things, and had to assemble stones bigger, you know, huge, two meters, massive things, and assemble them and build them on top. Solomon put not one ounce of sweat in, and he was claimed as being the person who made it. Because that is the way of the world. The way of the world, the leader gets the acclaim. The work is done by the common person. So we see in Micah then. He describes the rulers as being people who tear the flesh off the common person and use them in a cooking pot because they take their work and take money off them, tax them, and use the money themselves. So what, what is the message? What is the message that we're seeing here? The message is that when God is king, the world is turned upside down. Because King Jesus, when he came, came not into the glory of you know, a great palace or something, but into a quiet place, a town that nobody bothered about. Another whispering. When Jesus came, he didn't come to watch others work, he came to work. He actually said, I come to do my father's bidding. He actually talked about the labor that he was going to do. He was a nobody for the vast majority of his life. Nobody paid attention 
he worked. He worked to eat. He worked to live. But then, when people start to see who he is, when he starts to minister, he sets an example, doesn't he? He sets an example because he serves people. He doesn't demand people come to him and do things to him. He goes to them. He goes as a servant to them. When people, somebody said, I'm sick, right? Think, think of the centurion. My daughter's sick. Or the, the leader of Jairus, the leader. My daughter's sick. Will you come to my house? Jesus didn't say, I don't go to your house. You bring her to the palace. He went to her house. When a woman touched him, who was unclean, who should have been dealt with, in a sense, did he turn her away? Absolutely not. He healed her and said, your faith has healed you. And in John, the, the ultimate one, the one that people use, we of course see this very famous bit. So in John 13, just before he was going to die, at a time he could have been thinking totally about himself, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked him. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do. So Michael was proclaiming, it wasn't just that a new king was coming, but a whole new kingdom, a whole new way of living, a whole new way of being. But the leaders were the servants. They weren't the exploiters. Jesus the King came to serve us and still comes to serve us. Do you realize Jesus is here to serve you now? He wants to serve me now. Jesus comes to do us good, not to get us to do him good. If we do him good, that's the outflowing of what he's doing for us. That's not the starting point. We don't have to do things for him so that he will be nice for us. He's nice for us and we reflect that niceness back. And we reflect just a small part of the niceness that he's giving us. This is his kingdom. This is why we want to celebrate Christmas. This is remarkable. This is incredible. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords comes and serves me and wants my good and actively serves me to do the very best for me. Now, the songs we've been singing are wonderful. But the one, when he comes, has got it all wrong. It's a brilliant reminder, but it's come. It's not a future event, it's happened. We're not living in anticipation of what's going to happen. We can live in it now. So even in Revelation, we see that Jesus will come again. We're seeing that. We've just taken communion, pointing to Jesus coming again. 
And we can end up looking our whole life into the future and going, Jesus is coming again. And won't it be wonderful then because justice will happen and all that stuff. He will come and be king and terrible things will stop. Absolutely wonderful. But do you know what? It can happen now. You don't have to wait for the future. Because Jesus can be king now. That's what the Holy Spirit came for. You can have Jesus as your king now. And you can live in his kingdom now. You don't have to wait for his kingdom to come because he came. He kept on telling people the kingdom has come. He came. He is here through his Holy Spirit. All you have to do, all I have to do is bow the knee. I've been learning so much from the Lord's Prayer. The Lord just keeps teaching me more and more things about the Lord's Prayer. He takes me down the sentence and says, learn this. We pray, your kingdom come. What are we actually saying there? Is it a hope, an aspiration of your kingdom come on? That's not what Jesus was praying. What he was saying was, you are king. I am your subject. Your kingdom come. I bow the knee. Because you are king. Father, you are king. I am your king. Your kingdom. And then what's the next sentence? Your will be done. How often do we go, I want the will of God in my life. How often do we go, I wish God's will was done on earth. Do you know when it happens? When you bow the knee. If you do what God says, his will is done. You will see the will of God working out in your life. I will see the, work of the, the will of God working out in my life when I just bow the knee. And you might say, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, do the stuff you do know what he wants you to do. Bow, bow the knee where you know what he wants you to do. Just do it. That's a challenge, isn't it? Because if I'm being honest, I don't. But if we aim to do that every day, his will will be done. So the choice we've got is at Christmas, what we're celebrating absolutely is the first coming of the king. A king who is different, a king who serves, not a king who came to dominate. And we, we, we've heard that before. But don't, don't let that just wash over you. Today, I don't know where you are. I don't know where, where each of us is. But if you want God in your life, he's standing here now wanting to do you good. His goodness is running after you, after you. He wants to do you good. Bow the knee. And it's, it might be that there's complications in there. There might be all sorts of things that you've got to sort out. And it might be that you've got, I wish God had changed this. And it's not happened yet. Just bow the knee. Keep bowing the knee. 
His kingdom will come. His will will be done. Because we serve a living God, not a dead God. His kingdom is coming. Not just in Revelation, but in our lives now. And we'll enjoy taking part in Revelation when he returns and we get raised with him and we can be with him in the air and all the jazz that's going to go on there. But don't think that's when it's going to happen. Enjoy some of the jazz now. Enjoy some of the jazz now. Enjoy Christmas. Enjoy Christmas because you've got a God who is running after you to bless you. But bow the knee. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you for Christmas. I thank you, Jesus, that you're alive. I thank you that you are different, that you are a God who serves. But you want us to bow the knee to you. Help us to do that. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to know what you're saying to us so we can bow the knee. We can do what you want us to do. And help us to resist when we, when we feel rebellious. When we go, I don't want to. Holy Spirit, we need your power at that time to bow the knee. May we anoint you king today in our